So uh, my sound quality has been all over the place these last uh, <laughs> few weeks while I travel because, uh, you know, just different Airbnbs with different weird places and try to like sit in a closet, see if that helps. But there's nothing I can do this week because my whole place is a closet. <laughs> so <laughs> the sound's what it is. And I guess I guess we'll see. But where I'm visiting this week uh, gave me a sudden idea for something we could watch this week because I'm in Yokohama, Japan which is, I think it's the second biggest city next to Tokyo, but it's right next to Tokyo. It's kind of, you know, one flows into the other. And I didn't really know much about it. I just, this is my last couple of weeks in Japan. So I was just like, hey, let's just go there. I've never been there before. And I was just right away, just kind of shocked with how awesome it is. <laughs> like it's, it's a seaside place. It's kind of famous because there's like a U.S. naval base here. But because it's right by the water, it's basically like a seaside town and it's got the big bluffs like right by the water where big steep cliffs and stuff. But where in Canada, if you had big steep cliffs by the city, you know, you just don't build anything there. <laughs> you just go deeper in because you got a lot of space. Where in Japan, everything is just uh, so packed in. They just built all the, they just like built houses everywhere, like all up and down these cliffs. And it's just so cool to walk around because... There's all these steep stairways and it's all, it's just really neat. But in particular, what gave me the idea for this week is there's this park called Harborview Park, which that's the file I put on your other computer. So if you could go pull that up real quick. I saw that. I was wondering what that was. Yeah, I just thought I'd show you real quick what, because this place is like 10 minutes away from my Airbnb. I was just wandering around and it has uh, like there's a lot of flower uh, parks around here, rose gardens and stuff. So it's got all that type of stuff, but it's got this view out into the bay of the uh, Yokohama Bay Bridge. And you can see like there's a, an overpass where cars drive by and there's all the piers and stuff going out into the water. And it's just, it's just beautiful. That almost looks like fake. Yeah, I know, right? It's 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 ludicrous. It's just like and in real life you can like tell you can feel the layers better. It looks a little flat in a picture. But then at nighttime it's even more crazy because it's just like the lights, the little lights of the cars going across the bridge, but then also the the lights of the cars going across the overpass. And what you can't see in this picture is if you looked really close down in the corner you'd see a convenience store. <laughs> like it's just just awesome. And I was like, wow, this is just here. Like, how come I've never really, I knew about Yokohama, but I didn't realize it was so beautiful. However, up on that, uh, that particular park, there was a, a plaque and these, um, these two flags. And it said that this is the location of the movie from up on Poppy Hill. It's this uh, animated movie. And apparently in the movie, the girl lives up on that hill and her job is to go outside and to raise the flags every day to uh, alert ships about conditions or whatever. And they had the little flags that were there that uh, nowadays, I mean, I don't think any of that's relevant. This movie takes place in the 60s, I think 1963. So I was just curious about it because I'd never even heard of this movie. And I just thought it could be a cool way to not only can I, it's a good way for me to watch this movie, you know, because I wanted to check it out because now I've been to the place. But I was like, oh, and then I can kind of show, I can show Mama where I met, sort of, you know, what it was like uh, 70 years ago. So it's, uh, I assume, going to be a lot 
less like that picture of what it looks like today. You know, I just figured I'd show you that of like, that's what it is now. I got to assume in this movie, if it's set in the 60s, it ain't going to look like that. But yeah, I don't know. I just thought this would be kind of neat because uh, I don't know. I, I guess I've, I've been there. I've been to where this movie takes place. I'm there right now. So I just thought that could be a neat way to tie in my random traveling with stuff that we're watching. Okay. Uh, however, though, just so uh, I could go into it a bit blind, besides knowing that it takes place in the 60s, I didn't look up anything about this movie. So I figure I can look it up later and see if there's any interesting stuff, but I didn't want to like spoil it for myself. All I know about it is it's this company called Studio Ghibli that's super famous. They're like the Disney of Japan. Like All of their movies are... Everyone always is talking about Studio Ghibli. But it's one of those things I've only seen a couple of their movies, so I don't really... It's like I, I was late to the party. You know, it's like, yeah, I guess they're pretty good, but I, I never had that one that really hit me. Like, whoa, amazing. But I haven't seen that many either. But even that being said, I could list off like half a dozen other movies that I just hear people talk about a lot. I never heard of this one ever. So it's just a total mystery. I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea what to expect here. But they are an extremely famous Japanese animation company. So, uh, you know, it's probably pretty good. Okay, well, let's but check yeah. it out. Yeah, usually, usually we have more to say at the uh, at the top, but yeah, since I deliberately didn't look up anything, I guess we ain't got nothing to say. All we can do is watch it <laughs> and see how it goes. So yeah, like I was saying with this Studio Ghibli company, um, I mean, I haven't seen a ton of their movies, but but this is kind of how it tends to go is, uh, you know, I start watching this thing and all the characters are really doe-eyed and kind of gormless. And I just, I kind of don't get the hype. I don't know. I mean, it's an okay movie. It's not bad. It's just a little strange to me that this company is so famous. But to be fair, this particular movie is not all that famous. So It's a very teen type. Well, it's about teenagers, but it's a very teen type plot. Boy meets girl, fall in love, complications, can't have a relationship. But the scenery was good. Yeah, well, I guess uh, what I did learn about it, there's not a ton about this. It's kind of weird. I wonder how how, uh, how they decide what to make. Because this was apparently based on a comic that came out in uh, 1980. And not a long-running or very famous comic, just a short little girls comic that ran for... Uh, the year, you know, it was like two volumes to compile the whole thing. And uh, then, yeah, then all these years later, they just decided to make it into a movie for some reason. <laughs> I don't really know why. Yeah, and this is where, just plot-wise, this is where I started to enjoy those shows that are kind of deliberately plot-free, like Yuru Camp or like uh, Super Cub, you know? It's just girl gets a a scooter and scoots around girls go camping and they go camping, you know, like, and that's it because this movie, this is the kind of slice of life that kind of wears me out where it's a similar vibe, but, but when they start putting in the plot, it's so tissue thin and so pointless, (laughs) but they're having to treat it like it's important. Like at the end of this, hurry up, we got to get there right away to go see the third guy who will explain that we're not actually related and you know but we gotta oh 
give us a ride. We got to get there in time. Leap onto the boat. It's like, why are you treating this like an Indiana Jones movie when it's just a boring conversation with an old man? <laughs> you know? Like, I feel like it's better to be one or the other, either be a very dramatic action filled film or be about nothing. Just be about nothing where this movie is in the middle. It's an action filled nothing movie or all the stuff about this whole plot about trying to keep the uh, the clubhouse from getting torn down. Like, you know, with all due respect to this film, who cares? Who the heck cares? <laughs> it's just because they felt like they needed to have a plot. So, yeah, I don't know. I'd actually prefer less plot. But, I mean, you got to have something happening. Even in Eurocamp, they have something happening. Yes, they're traveling around, but there's always some little thing going on in the background, some relationship thing between the girls or... But, somebody but that they need in the park or something. Right, but there's really not, though. I guess, like, what I what I like about Eurocamp is uh, the interpersonal problems are virtually none. There's just nothing about that. It really is about the park and about the place. Where That's what, what I wish this movie was more about, is the place. Because that's why I watched it in the first place, is because I'm here in Yokohama, and it's such a cool place. So where this movie finally started getting interesting to me took a, an hour and 10 minutes, but when they finally went into the downtown and you got to see a 1960s version of an actual Japanese city, to me, that stuff was great. And there's so little of it. Like, that's what I wanted the whole movie to be about is like, let's just take a tour of this place. I want to see how this streetcar works. I want to see these office buildings. I want to see that traffic jam. I just don't care about these people and they're nothing <laughs> lives. <laughs> you know so i guess what i found interesting in a larger sense was because yokohama is not that big you know like you can walk from that downtown part to where they live in half an hour so it's interesting that in the 60s they essentially lived in the middle of nowhere and they're only half an hour from the center where now it's all the center but like or when they were on the train and you could see in the distance the smokestacks like those were the precious little moments that I'm like, oh, show me more of that. Because I went there in real life. It's a nightmare. If you go to the Eastern Bay over here, it's a giant overpass and a power factory that is just like, it looks like it's out of a science fiction movie. It's this huge power plant that is just, a, and next to that is all the cranes and the shipping stuff. So you get those little, little bits of that. So, so honestly, I mean, I, I don't know that anyone else would want this movie, but the movie I want is let's just walk around and explore what Yokohama was like in 1963 and never mind the plot. Because <laughs> who the heck cares? So you need to watch a geographic movie as opposed to a plot movie. But most people who are paying to go to the movie theater want to see a story. And yeah, they did I get the story. Yeah, that's fair. But that's where I guess I found that's where I found stuff like Eurocamp so revolutionary is like to, to take that extra leap and to just admit that we're here to look at a lake and to look at a mountain and not to have this plot. Because because, again, I mean, we've seen we've all seen every plot over and over. Nothing was special about this plot. <laughs> you know? True, true. So, yeah, this was just a, a, an extremely middle of the road film for me but once it got to those parts where you do get those little glimpses of what Yokohama was like 
you know, it's kind of worth it for me just for that. But I certainly, as a movie, would never recommend this to anybody. It's boring as heck, man. <laughs> it's deadly. However, one thing I thought was interesting is uh, you brought up that the song that plays in this movie was a big hit in the 60s. And I could not pronounce the name of it, but... Big, big hit. Yeah, so I think we should go over this a little bit because I looked it up while we were watching the movie and this is interesting as heck to me. I I didn't even, I'd never heard of this because how does that happen? How does a a Japanese song in Japanese suddenly become like a number one hit? How is that even possible? (laughs) You know, and I'm still not really sure because that is what happened. But just to jump ahead a little to uh, in the US, they called it sukiyaki here. I'll get into that too. That in the U.S., Sukiyaki topped the Billboard Hot 100 chart in 1963, one of the few non-English songs to have done so, and the first in a non-European language, because, you know, we had some, uh, you know, you get the occasional European song, but this was like the only Japanese song and the only single by an Asian artist to top the Top 100 until 2020, a song by a South Korean band called BTS finally also topped the chart. So essentially, this was just a one-off thing that functionally never happened again. It only happened that one time. And uh, and I'll tell you some stuff about this song because it's really interesting, but I don't, the article here does not have any particular explanation for how or why this happened. <laughs> do, do you have any sense of it or it just was on the radio well, all of a sudden? It was just on the radio. And I'm only thinking now, having watched this show, that with the Tokyo Olympics of 1964 being a big deal and in the news, maybe there was some connection there that here is this Japanese song that uh, suddenly becomes, I don't know, on the radio, perhaps tied into that. I don't know what other connection there would be because nothing else seemed to be going on in the world in Japan that would have been of international interest. Yeah, very mysterious. So this song, the original title is I Look Up As I Walk. And it was about uh, the meaning of I Look Up As I Walk is to keep your head up as you walk so that the tears forming in your eyes won't fall down your face. You know, keep your head up. And the guy who wrote the lyrics was not the singer, but he was a separate uh, lyricist. Rokusuke Ai is the guy who wrote the lyrics, and it was sung by Kyu Sakamoto. But basically, the lyrics were written about the 1960s ANPO protests, where the ANPO protests were about the treaty between Japan and America that allowed America to have military bases on Japanese soil. So extremely appropriate to that year obviously this is set in the year that song came out but also to yokohama because this is still to this day where the big military base is so the guy who wrote the lyrics it was these protests to try to get the americans off of japanese soil which completely failed to this day have still failed so it was written about the feelings this guy had walking home after these failed protests and you know trying to keep the tears from falling down his face But what's weird is that it clearly got popular in America purely for the song. No one knew what it was about because not only did, uh, I mean, the lyrics also weren't extremely explicit about what it was about. You could take it as any generic song about a lost love, but that is what it was really about. 
But not only did the Americans not know what the song was about, they changed the name to sukiyaki, which is just a a cooked beef dish. It's just, <laughs> yeah, it's just a name that, you know, they thought was a little catchier, a little easier for people to, to remember. But uh, a Newsweek columnist compared this retitling to if you reissued Moon River in Japan and called it Beef Stew. You know, like it's just the most could not be a less appropriate name but it's just an interesting phenomenon because it just didn't matter what the name was it, it like the song wasn't popular because of that it was just popular because it was catchy and people liked it absolutely people had no idea what the what, what it meant it was just uh it was just a wonderful song and everybody knew about it and everybody well you couldn't sing it because you didn't know the words but people did try to sing along with what they believed they were hearing but uh no no it was it was an excellent excellent piece of music to this day it is it's wonderful yeah it's such an interesting phenomenon because see that's where this is handy even if that movie itself you know maybe is not my new favorite of all time but it's just so interesting to learn about stuff like this because yeah I, i had never heard of that at all the other thing that knowing now what that song is about it does fit in with this movie because the students are in revolution about about a number of things in this movie not just saving the building we see them uh you know getting together and rallying and we don't know exactly in the movie what they're rallying about but um it could be uh american intervention in into japan and then that song fits in but uh, I didn't recognize it for that. As soon as I heard it, I said, oh, yeah, hey, there's that Japanese song that was such a big hit. And and that's all I really knew about it. I couldn't even remember the name, but I, I did know the music. Yeah, it really is the perfect song, right? Because I'm sure it was, a, if it was a big hit you know, all over the world, it was surely a mega hit in Japan. So it works on that level. And it's the appropriate year to the story. And it actually does, yeah, tie into the themes of the story, such as they are. I mean, it's the, yeah, it's the perfect the perfect song to put in. It's kind of neat, too, because like, so often in movies, they put in a popular song just for the sake of putting in a popular song. But in this case, they happen to have a popular song that is also appropriate. I wonder, too, if that movie is probably a little bittersweet as a Japanese viewer, all this stuff about saving this one building, because... Uh, in modern day Yokohama, like they didn't save any of the buildings. That's all gone now. <laughs> you know, like it must be kind of interesting to look at it through that viewpoint because I've been walking around here all week and, you know, that that world that that those characters are in. It was like once once they got to the, the downtown, I was like, oh, there we go. There's real reality. There's, you know, the cars and the trains and the office buildings and the suits and like the 1960s. There's the real place. Where, yeah, like the place they live in, it's like a weird dream. Like none of that exists anymore. That is gone. Like now it's just city right up to the edge of the water. So, yeah, that must be weird to watch as a Japanese viewer. And it's like, man, these kids are really hung up on this one building. But little do they know. (laughs) Forget about the one building. Your whole neighborhood is gone, kids. (laughs) And by the time you grow up, once you're old, you know, like those characters, they could be walking around Yokohama right now. They'd be you know, the age that they'd still be, they'd still be alive walking around and they'd just be like, damn, like, yeah, I guess we saved that one building for a while, but now 
my whole stupid neighborhood's gone. And now it's all just modern buildings and convenience stores and overpasses. And there's a giant Gundam robot that they built. It's not forever. It's like a temporary exhibit, but it's really kind of gaudy and ridiculous looking. It's just a giant robot down by the bay because tourists like to go pay to see the giant robot. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> so yeah, it must be a bit of a bittersweet film in that sense of like, yeah, you really can't hold on to the past, man, especially not around here with the super dense population. Like it's just, it's all gone. Well, so, yeah. we got to see a little bit of what possibly was there in the 1960s. So yeah. you got to give the movie that. I'll definitely give it credit for that. It's a, it's a great conduit to, to talk about other stuff. <laughs> but can you imagine talking about that actual movie and its actual plot of like, oh no, we both have dads who died at sea. Oh no, it's the same dad. Oh, we can't make out anymore. Oh, guess what? They're not, they're different dads. We can make out. Yay. Who, shut up. <laughs> who cares? <laughs> but yeah, the larger themes of, of, uh, you know, holding on to the past and protests and Americans on Japanese soil, all the stuff the movie didn't actually care about is very interesting. <laughs> So at least it's a it's a good excuse to talk about that stuff. Well, I guess if you want to see a geographic uh, form of what those places were like in the 1960s or the 1970s, you need to go online and just put in what was this place like in 1960 and see what shows up. Yeah, I'll definitely have to do that that search because there are there's not a ton of stuff, but if you do look on YouTube, you can find some like old home movies people have made of uh I found one of the 80s and one of the 70s. I think I showed you one. Remember where it was like the, uh, it was like a day in the life of a Japanese family in the 70s. Yeah. And the commenters were all freaked out because the uh, dad was taking a bath with his daughter. And Japanese <laughs> people had to comment on the video and be like, you need to calm the F down, Americans. This is not weird here. <laughs> you know, stop making it weird. But as for this specific place, Yokohama, I don't know. I have no idea. Although there might be stuff because, if nothing else, maybe because of the American occupation, there's probably a lot more, probably is news footage and stuff of this area. So, yeah, I'm going to look that up later and see what I can find. But, yeah, I guess uh, this neighborhood, though, in particular, this, uh, I think it's just called Harbor View Bay Park. Anyway, this, this area of Yokohama, should you be visiting Japan, it's pretty easy to get here from Tokyo. It's not that far. And it's, it's, it's awesome. It's beautiful. This whole neighborhood is just full of rose gardens and fountains and amazing views. And uh, then as long, as long as you don't go too far east, because then it's all, it is all just cranes and factories and stuff. But, but this little touristy area, man, it's good stuff. And you can see the, the flags, the flags that the girl from the cartoon raised. And <laughs> that's all it takes for me to watch a cartoon. Whoa, really? All right, cool. Okay, well, oh, I don't know what else there is to say about yeah, it. Yeah, I guess one last thing. Let's just end on a downer. Why not? Because as I was researching stuff, the uh, this is the guy who sang the uh, I Look Up As I Walk song. Not The guy who wrote the lyrics, he lived to a ripe old age. He lived to his 80s. But the guy who sang that song, he died when he was 43 because he was in a, a flight here in Japan that uh, crashed into a mountain. And over 500 people died. It was one of the worst crashes in Japanese history. And he was one of them. So it's like, holy, oh. geez, that's a bummer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Ah, big bummer. Yeah, and just another thing that, uh, I mean, I guess to be fair, I never heard of the guy till today, but I feel like most people probably didn't know. You know, he probably just uh, had his big hit in America and probably no one knew who he was. And let's see, when was this? 1985 that happened. So he must hmm. have been really young when that song was a hit because he was only 43 when that happened. Yes, well, he would have been like 20 maybe. Man, what a life. Because, yeah, it's like you have this amazing one in a zillion more than that like one in infinity because it never happened again japanese guy who had a number one hit yeah and then just to die in a random crazy plane crash man so that was an unusual one just again because i happened to see the plaque commemorating this film and uh yeah and i mean i think that was that was worthwhile overall we we learned some things we (laughs) we examined some stuff but yeah, that's where, again, I just find it so odd that this uh, very famous film studio that could, they could make anything. Why did they pick this one, this one random comic book from 1980 with this really silly hackneyed romance plot? What a strange choice. <laughs> you know, like, who knows? But I would say like yeah, maybe uh, people that are huge fans of this film will be offended that I didn't like it more, but I don't know that there are any huge f- fans of this film. Like, again, I never have heard anyone ever talk about it ever. So I think we're safe. I think I can be critical and I don't think anyone's going to care. <laughs> so. Great music. Yeah. Great music. There we go. Excellent soundtrack. 